Hi, Goal Achievers. Nick Polkowski here. I have a quick question for you. Can one weekend literally change your life? Well, one weekend changed the lives of over 200 people last year when they attended Hal Elrod's Best Year Ever Blueprint Live event, and Hal is doing it again this year. You can get all the details and reserve your spot at bestyeareverlive.com. Last year's event showed that one weekend truly can change your life. Since the event, Tim Cornwell has lost 42 pounds, Heidi Murray more than doubled her income, Stephen Christopher increased his revenue by over 500%, and those are just a few examples from hundreds of incredible results created by last year's attendees. Don't miss out on your chance to make 2016 your best year ever. Head to bestyeareverlive.com and register now. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra-marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elra. All right, Goal Achievers, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And uh, today's guest, this is actually, this is pretty cool. The, 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 the author that I'm interviewing today, and this is an author interview, we've only done a handful of these. Um, but this is going to be a, a bona fide author interview. And the gentleman that I'm interviewing, the book that he wrote is like the, it could be the handbook for the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I mean, it really could. Um, so let me dive into a very proper introduction for our guest, Lewis Howes, today. And you may know him as the host of one of the top podcasts in the world called The School of Greatness. And uh, I'll let Lewis tell you his whole story, but just a little bit about it. He, he dreamt growing up, his dream was to be a professional athlete, right? That like he, tunnel vision, that was it. He wanted to be an Olympian and he got injured. And it completely threw his professional football career out the window. And he immediately had to shift his focus to figure out, you know, kind of how to achieve a different dream. And he was broke. He was clueless on how to make money. He had no business background. But he had an obsession for learning about business and marketing and adding value to influential people. And since then, he has built a multi-million dollar online media company. He speaks all over the world. In fact, I don't know, if uh, Lewis, if, you, if he knows this, but uh, he keynoted the tropical think tank event this last year and uh and i get to keynote keynote this next year nice so yeah but dude, that's a lot of pressure to follow lewis house <laughs> as, as the keynote but um he's helped tons of authors reach new york times bestseller list and details magazine even called him one of the five internet gurus who can make you rich and so his new book it, it just came out it's called the school of greatness when this podcast airs it will have just come out i love the tagline a real world guide to living bigger loving deeper and leaving a legacy and in this book lewis shares the essential tips and habits that he's gathered from his podcast interviewing hundreds of the greats on the wildly popular show that he runs the school of greatness and he really figured out that greatness is unearthed and cultivated from within so it's not luck you're not born with it and and today i brought lewis on to talk about what are those habits what are those tools that the world's most successful people implement every day and how can you apply them to achieve your goals and cultivate your own greatness so lewis 
thanks for being here, my friend. Hal, thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, man. Yeah, I did. I, as I said, I, I, I've been like, I'm staring at you across the room, aka the <laughs> internet. Been like, you know, he looks nice. I should go talk to him. Right? So, uh, so this is cool to find. We got a lot of a lot of mutual friends, yeah. and uh, I'm glad to connect. So. Here's where I want to start. I, I, I always like to start at the same spot with my guests, and I call this humble beginnings and defining moments. And it's the idea, Lewis, that you know we're all born with unlimited potential, but somewhere along the way, the large majority of people resign themselves to a life of mediocrity, and yet it's this small percentage, which you're one of, and you've interviewed hundreds of, these small percentage of people that at some point in their lives they experience that defining moment or that realization that causes them to realize that they can become great and so i would love to know for you what was your life like before you had that moment that realization and what was that defining moment for you Mm. well i always had big dreams as a kid and i think i i put it upon myself but i suffered a lot as a kid i was extremely uh, bullied early on. I was kind of like this tall, gangly-looking kid, and I wasn't good in school. So when the teacher would ask me to read out loud in class, I wasn't able to read. Um, I was always, you know, getting D's and F's on school all the way through high school. I was in the special needs class. So early on, my brother also went to prison for four and a half years when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. So that, that was kind of like a, a shocker to you know the whole family and. To me, because I never knew anyone that went to prison. You only heard about that from, you know, stuff on TV or or, or movies or something. So <clears throat> I grew up with a lot of loneliness. I was the youngest of four. My parents were constantly arguing. They they loved us, but they just didn't have a happy relationship. So I walked on egg- eggshells a lot in my childhood and just didn't know what I was supposed to do in the world. I just had no clue I wasn't good at school, and that's the only thing that we were graded on was our schoolwork, really. Sure. So I just felt like, what's the point? I didn't really understand the point. And then I remember when I was like five or six years old, my dad and I would watch you know, college football. We'd watch Ohio State football together because he was a big Ohio State fan. And I started to get inspired by these athletes. I would see his reaction to these games, and I was inspired by the commentators talking about these All-Americans and who was who were up to big things, who were making all the plays, the ones getting the credit. And I was like, you know, <clears throat> this looks like fun. To me, schoolwork sucks. This looks like fun. So I started giving all my energy, all that aggression, that resentment, that pain, I put it all into athletics. And <clears throat> I really developed as an athlete more towards high school. And that's when I started to hit my stride and feel a lot more confident. I would say that the fighting moment was to be honest, when I was a senior in high school and I got the MVP of the league in football and I was, I was like the fifth person in the history of my school to, to get that because of the competitive league that we were in. So for me, I was like, wow, okay. I felt like I'd done something in history with just my school. And so many alumni like came back to like watch me get this award because it was like a big deal, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something for me in the world to do, to go after. And um, I thought it was sports originally, and it was. And, and in college, I you know, continued to follow my dream to play sports, and I played professional football. Um, but when that was over, I got injured. I, had a, I broke my wrist, was in a cast for six months. 
And I slept on my sister's couch for a year and a half, not knowing what I was going to do with the rest of my life because I didn't have a backup plan. At I what point did you get injured? What, what grade or what age? Uh, I got injured 23 it was, I think, uh, 23 or 24. I was second game of the season playing arena football. Wow. And then I played the next 14 games with a broken wrist and then had to have surgery afterwards. And that ended the career. That ended the dream uh, of playing professional sports. And left me in a very left me back feeling like I was you know in, in third grade again, not sure what I was going to do with my life and what the point of all this was when my dream was over. So it was a couple of years of again wondering, curiosity, uncertainty, until I I started to look at my life like a sport. I said, okay, this is what I know. I know how to play on a team. I know how to get coached by a coach. I know how to take a lot of action. I know how to sacrifice uh, my time and energy to practice something, to get better at it, and to achieve a goal. And I started doing that. I was like, how can I play the game of life like it's a sport? So I, I reached out to a bunch of mentors. I was interviewing people left and right when I was 24, injured. Um, I just wasn't recording it and putting it into a podcast. But I was interviewing influencers all day long. And then I had three key mentors who really guided me early on that I was taking advice and feedback from them in different areas of my life. One was a speaker, coach, a professional speaker who also was an author that I learned professional speaking and wrote my first book with. The next one was a famous inventor who had developed about 80 products that have been to market really good at brand design, marketing, Went to and he took me to a lot of trade shows, so I learned how to network at trade shows. And the third one was uh, an inventor entrepreneur as well who I really leaned on as a moral compass. He was just a man of, he is just a man of such integrity, um, works with a billion dollar company as a senior vice president and has it all. So I had these kind of three key mentors that I soaked up so much information from, took a lot of action and learned from, and uh, started to do my own thing after that. And then, and then started, and you transitioned. Was that when you said, "I'm going to be a podcaster," or you know that because that's such no. an obscure, <laughs> right. you know, way yeah. to go? No, I, uh, you know, early on, one of my mentors was, you know, I was like, "Man, I'm broke." <laughs> he said, "Why don't you check out LinkedIn?" You know, LinkedIn is this new site. This is back in 2007, I believe it was. Yeah, end of 2007. He goes, why don't you check out LinkedIn? You know, I hear people are getting jobs and finding opportunities. So I literally took that as like my coaching advice. And I spent six to eight hours a day for the next six to nine months on LinkedIn while I was on my sister's couch. I had all the free time in the world. So I was on there optimizing my profile, reaching out to influencers one by one, sending them emails, uh, asking them if I could ask asking them if I could interview them, if I could ask some questions about their success, how they got to where they are, um, and see if I could connect them with anything they need. And I did that for about a year, <clears throat> just connecting with influencers. And as I was doing this, you know, my network started to grow on LinkedIn. So my friends would reach out to me or people would reach out who I was meeting and say, hey, can you connect me to you know, Hal? I see you're connected to Hal on LinkedIn. Can you connect me with him? So I would make introductions all day long for people because I was building this extensive network. And that was really my only skill at the time was connecting people. That's the only asset I really had. And um, the more I did that, people were like, thank you so much. We just did this business deal. You know, I just made 20 grand off of this. Thank you. Uh, is there anything I can do for you? you know, I was just helping people left and right. Then as people would look for introductions from me, uh, they started like emailing me saying, dude, your LinkedIn profile looks incredible. Can you help me, show me how to optimize mine? And I was like, sure. So I started helping friends optimize their profile. 
and then they would get jobs. They would get consulting deals. They would get uh, you know, new customers, clients, and they would say, thank you so much. This is incredible. I was like, really? This is working? Then <clears throat> one guy paid me 100 bucks to do it, and I was like, you sure you want to pay me this? He's like, absolutely. I need help. So I said, okay, cool. Here we go. And, I, and he was like, dude, this changed the game for me. I got so much business out of this. So I started doing that. I started charging through LinkedIn profiles. Um, so that was a light bulb moment like, oh, money in I was exchange like, yeah, exactly. for what I know. Yeah. What I already know. And I was yeah. doing it for such a long time and it came natural for me after a while because I just – I was on LinkedIn more than employees were on LinkedIn and who worked there, right? I was just on there all day and all night. So I learned the nuances of it, of how to leverage it. And um, eventually uh, people started to pay me for it. Then one guy was like, why don't you just write a book about this? One of my mentors is like, why don't you write a book and just sell it? You know, so you can sell it at all, all times as opposed to trade your time for it. And I never knew that concept. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And he helped me write the book. And then I started doing events around LinkedIn. And then I started doing workshops and speaking. People just asked for more and more. They said, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? And, and what, what, what age was this, Lewis? I was 24. Wow. Yeah, okay. 24, maybe, yeah, I was about 24. Maybe I was going on 25. And I... I got one guy, Joel Com, said, hey, I want to do a webinar, and you're the only one talking about LinkedIn, and I want to, I want to have someone present about it. Can you do it? And I was like, sure, absolutely. And I had no clue what a webinar was. I was terrified to speak in public still. And I get on this webinar and teach about LinkedIn strategies for free for about an hour. And then at the end, I offer an advanced LinkedIn training that I was going to deliver within two weeks. And I made $6,200 just pitching this advanced LinkedIn training thing a couple of weeks later and it blew my mind. I'd never made that much money in my life in that short amount of time and I was like if I can make $6,200 in an hour on a webinar, I could do a webinar every single day for the rest of my life and for the last six years I've pretty much done a webinar, not every day but I've done you know, probably on average a couple live webinars a week for the last six years and I've just through, once I realized okay this is something that works. This is something I can leverage. This is something that I can learn and, and maximize. I just put all my energy to learning it. I studied all the, the information online. I watched webinars. I dissected them. I practiced them. And I optimized it. And I've been focusing on what's been working over the last six years and, and grown off of that. Dude, do webinars. I'm writing this down. This, <laughs> is like, this is like my biggest area of people are like, why don't you do webinars? I'm like, I don't know. So. My, my, thing, my thing is like I, I ask people every time I go speak and talk about webinars, I ask people and say, if you can show me a better way to leverage your time to impact more people in that time and make more money in that time, please let me know because I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. Because right now, this is the best thing, and it's been the best thing for the last six years. Um, you know, video sales letters, blog posting, you know, Periscope, podcasting, nothing, you know, speaking in public live, nothing outperforms the leverage and the time that you get to save with webinars in my mind. And don't you have, don't, don't you now, I mean, obviously you've made, I believe, millions of dollars with webinars. Don't you yes. teach people how to do that? I do, yeah. I mean, I've wrote a book out it, and I've got a course, and you know, do webinars all the time, teaching people. So, but just before I know that's not the focus today, but if somebody is like, sure. if somebody is in me, uh, maybe me, um, needs the webinar uh, training, where where do they find that? Uh, you can go watch a free one um, at lewishouse.com/webinar. Okay, Lewis How did I'm, I'm literally writing that. Down. <laughs> I think did I probably opted into your stuff? All right, Lewis House. 
Com. All right, guys, you're writing this down, forward slash <laughs> webinar. Yeah, that'll take you to a free training to watch, and you'll learn a lot. Even if you you know don't sign up for my program or not, sure. you'll learn a ton. So. Sure, sure, sure. Cool. So let's let's talk. Uh, so I've got some questions from our community. I'm going to save those for the end. Uh, the Miracle Morning community I put in there <laughs> you know, probably an hour ago. Hey, I'm interviewing Lewis Howes, and I got a few cool. questions in there. So uh, we'll save those for the end. Um, so let's, let's dive into the book right now, because like I said, the, this is the Achieve Your Goals podcast, and I, I specifically chose a what you might call a vague, you know, topic, I guess, kind of like school of greatness, right? Because then you could really interview anyone you want, talk about anything you want, because everything points back to, you know, um, in in my uh, podcast, Achieving Goals. So this book, like I said, is could be the handbook, because that the essence of how do you tap into your greatness? How do you achieve greater Mm -hmm. results, greater goals than you ever have before? So so let's dive in. And, And first and foremost, why did you why did you write the book? And I almost want to know why. Why did you take so long to write it? Like I feel like this could have mm. come out probably a year ago, if not more. So let, let's go into so, that. So eight years ago, I had a dream, and oh. the dream was during Christmas of 2007, going into 2008. Um, for those that celebrate Christmas, my family did what's called Secret Santa that year. So essentially, uh, we each just gave each other one gift and received one gift, and. Uh, I was in my cast. I just got the surgery on, you know, uh, the surgery a couple months prior, and I was in this cast, kind of down, because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I was in transition, and my brother was the person who gave me the gift that year, and he gave me a book. He didn't even wrap it. He just said, "Here you go," and this was my present. It was a twenty-dollar book. That was all I got, right? But right away, it got me curious. It got me interested, based on the title. And if I would have got this book probably three to four months prior, maybe I probably wouldn't have read it because of where I was at in my life. So it came at the right time, and it was the right message for me. And the book was called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And as a very slow reader, it usually takes me a day to read a first chapter of a book, and then I stop because I'm too tired and I'm exhausted. And this book, I couldn't put it down, and I, I finished it within – about three days, which was really fast for me. And at the end of the book, I, I shut the book and I have it in my hands and I say to myself, one day I'm going to become really good friends with this guy, this author, who I'd never heard about before this book. I was like, I'm going to become great friends with him. I started reading his blog and checking it out and everything. So we're going to become good friends. Whoever was the agent for this book did an incredible job and he's going to be my agent one day. I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book one day. Uh, that is going to inspire millions of people around the world and create a possibility for them the way this book has now created the possibility for me and created a roadmap, roadmap for me. And a couple years later, I became really good friends with Tim Ferriss. I helped him launch his podcast. Um, his agent is now my agent. I stalked him for years as well. And now this book is coming out and... I'm waiting for the third part of the the dream to come true. And what's what's the third part? Is that third part is, that is to, to I mean the third part is to sell millions of copies around the world to create possibility in the minds of people to help them get to the next level in their life. Got it. Got it. So that's uh, so that's the the outcome. The, the book is the vehicle, and yes. and it's for that. That's the mission. That's the bigger vision. Yes. So um, who who's the book for? You know who who <laughs> right if, if somebody's listening, who, who who's it for? It's that's the. That's the, the question, right? Because my agent and all my author friends were like, you got to write it more specific about how to make millions and how to do this and 
blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, that's not the book I want to write. I could have, I could have written a business book. I could have done all those things. But it wasn't the thing that inspired me the most. This was the book I've always wanted to write. This was the message I always wanted to talk about. But I realized it took me eight years to become the human I needed to become in order to put this out and have the value that it has. And I've still got a long way to go. I'm sure in two years I'll want to update it the way, you know, and make it even better. But um, <clears throat> the book is for a mom in Iowa who's got two kids and feels like she hasn't been she hasn't found her identity in years and she's lost her identity and has an itch to make something a little bit better for herself and start something on the side and have deeper relationships with her husband and her and her children it's for the the pro athlete in transition who's doesn't know what to do next who's unclear about how to take the next step but as a dream for something bigger in his or her life. It's for the entrepreneur who's at six figures, who has been stuck for a couple of years, overwhelmed, busy, and wants to get to the seven-figure level. Essentially, the book is for anyone who wants to get to the next level in their business relationships or life or health. And that may sound broad, but uh, for me, it's so valuable for so many different people and it's all about anyone who's looking to get to the next level in their life. That's who it's for. When I think that's great, I mean, I kind of, uh, you and I went a similar path. Like yep. when, I, when I wrote The Miracle Morning, it's like people are like, you know, the, the riches are in the niches and you exactly. got a niche. And I'm like, this book's for everyone. Yeah, it's <laughs> right? tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, but but here's what you'll find. I think. I mean, you're you want to reach millions of people, and I really think you will because you know your content and and, and what this book will do for people. It, it'll become a word of mouth phenomenon, and it won't be a word of mouth phenomenon just for one niche. It'll be like you know, dude, my mom needs to read this, and so does my brother, and so does my <laughs> boss, and so does so do my employees, and right. Right, you know what I mean, and so does my kid, right? Yes. So. The, <laughs> That's great, man. Um, what, uh, what, 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 you know, what specifically, like, what would you say the top three things that people will gain from reading this book? And you're not confined to three. It could be sure. one. It could be five. Sure. I mean, I would say, well, there's eight principles of greatness. So just kind of give you some context. The okay. whole, the whole reason I wrote the book was because as I was, as I was interviewing people on my podcast, I went, I got into a transition in my life where I'd sold my company, and I was trying to figure out what do I want to do next. What's, what do I, what's my real mission in life, and Making money was and building a business was more of a, a means to survive because I was on my sister's couch, I was broke, and I wanted to feel like a human being. So I was very driven because these opportunities were coming in through the LinkedIn stuff early on. So I was just like, okay, what's next? What's next? How do I leverage this and maximize this and help more people with LinkedIn? And then they would say, well, can you help with Facebook marketing and Twitter marketing and YouTube? And I said, yeah, I'll figure it out. And so I started creating trainings around these different sites that people needed help with. And I just said, okay, I'm going to be a servant and I'm going to figure this out. And it was great for a number of years. And we made, you know, millions of dollars in sales and it was great. But I realized like that's not what I want to do every day for the rest of my life. That's, that helped me get to where I'm at and I'm grateful for it. And it's still awesome. I still enjoy it, but it's not what I, I don't want to teach people about how to update their LinkedIn profile every day. It's not my mission. And so I sold the company. I was in transition. I moved to LA for a girl and it didn't work out. It didn't work out quickly. She broke up with me the first day. Then we were back and forth. She was like terrified. And um, it was a mess. I had moved from New York City. I was in love with New York City. I loved it. And my life was on fire. Like I couldn't, 
I couldn't do anything wrong. Like everything I touched was just blowing up. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I moved to LA and I was like, this is miserable. But it all happened for a reason. And there was incredible lessons that I'm so grateful for. But as I was here, I was driving, I was upset, I was, you know, resentful. And I was in traffic a lot driving around LA. And I remember thinking to myself, this sucks. There's got to be a better way to enjoy driving. And there's got to be a better way to reach people when they're miserable in their cars. And how can I inspire people? And I started talking to Pat Flynn and a couple other podcasters and just asking them how their podcast was doing. And they were like, it is blowing up yeah. you know, with the smartphone capabilities, with this and that. And I said, okay, let me try this out. I think I could do it. If these guys can do it, I, I could probably figure it out too. So I create the School of Greatness to interview the most inspiring people in the world. This is what I was doing from the beginning without publishing them. So I said, I've got a pretty good network, and I like interviewing people from all walks of life. So I started interviewing people from sports to business to philanthropy to everything, doctor, scientist. And what I realized from all these interviews was that there was these common themes. And I'm sure you realize this as well when you interview people. There was common themes that confirmed a lot of the things that I was doing well from my sports experience to the business experience and confirmed what I wasn't doing well. I was like, okay, here's the things I need to really work on. But it, it boiled down to eight key principles. And I would say three of the main things that people would learn from here that's going to help anyone is one, getting a very clear vision. And this isn't anything new. Uh, people have probably think about this all the time maybe, but Unless you have a very clear vision of exactly what you want and then give yourself a game plan of exactly the steps you're going to take to get there, it's hard to achieve that vision because you don't know. And there's so many people that listen to my podcast that don't even know what they want. They don't even know what they, their dreams are. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad because we don't dream enough anymore. We don't literally sit and dream about if anything was possible in the world what would you want? Strip away what you don't think you're supposed to have, what your parents think want you to have, what your friends are doing, what your spouse is doing. Strip away all this and just sit for 30 minutes and dream about your perfect day. So I walk people through exercises of, about how to craft the exact vision you want and how to start putting that into your every day. Uh, for me, that's really important. Without the foundation of a vision, you're just wandering around life, reacting to whatever comes towards you. And well, let me let me let me pause real quick because I think that's not something that you and I discussed before we started recording the podcast. That I think is really key is that um, this book isn't where you just read it and you get a bunch of ideas and you go, "Wow, wow, this really I feel good and I feel right. like anything's possible." Then you go on to read your next book and you forgot everything you learned in the book you just read, which is which is what most books do. But yeah. you've got the exercises in this that literally guide people. You know, they read the chapter, they do the exercises, they and they're really they build on each other, right, as they go yes. through, so that by yep. the end they. They've got their vision, they've got their plan, and, and they are really equipped and on their way to taking their life to the next level, correct? Exactly. That's it. Very cool. Very that cool. is it. Yeah. All right. So, that, so. so that'd be number one is creating a, a, a clear vision. Uh, I would say something else that the greatest minds in the world do that everyone else can learn how to apply as well. These are all things that anyone can learn is practicing positive habits. And again, a very simple concept that we've all heard. But what are the habits of the richest people in the world, of the healthiest people in the world, of the happiest people in the world? We talk about and break down all those habits of what they do. And these are all things that anyone can do anywhere in the world. They're just simple habits 
to really set yourself up for success in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night so that you can start receiving better opportunities, so that you can start feeling better about yourself, getting happier, helping and serving more people. So that's uh, another principle that I really like. Um, building a winning team. The greatest minds in the world, the greatest athletes in the world, you think they have average coaches or average trainers or average teams? They learn how to build winning teams. And when they're at the top, the ones that stay at the top invest in even more of their team. They invest in better coaches. They constantly evolve to stay at the top. And if they don't, if they think they can do it on their own, they're going to fall quickly. So I think specifically for a lot of entrepreneurs who might be listening, it's, it's not about being a solo entrepreneur in my mind. It's about building the teams around you. And even if you are a solo entrepreneur, you're still going to interact with people. You're still going to be building your family team. You're still going to be building your customer support team. You're going to still be building your relationships with influencers or affiliates or partners. So you want to start learning about how to build the winning team and how to understand what people want and how to connect with them. Uh, so I would say that's the, the third principle that anyone can apply at any area of their life. And I, well, I like the way that you, the angle you took on that, because like when you said build a winning team, my, my mind, and I guess it's because I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, about more than half of our listeners are entrepreneurs, but um, my first thought was, you know, oh yeah, build, you know, you got to delegate and build the winning mm -hmm. team. But, but when you went further into it and you talked about how a winning, you know, every winning team has great coaches. Yes. That kind of reminds me, yeah, it's not just, there's really two aspects of building your team. There are really three aspects, right? It's your, it's your coaches, having mentors and coaches. It's your teammates, right? Your peer group. Mm -hmm. Making sure that you're upgrading that, and and then and and then the third component is you know obviously if you're an entrepreneur and you want to grow you've got to you've got to have a team of people, exactly um, to help you do that. So it's all. I mean, here's the thing. Again, yeah. I learned a lot of these lessons from sports, so it's nothing new. It's not like I'm I'm teaching something new here. But as an athlete, I know that I would not have been as good of an athlete or achieved the results I did. We wouldn't have won as many games if we didn't have a coach. I 100% can tell you it would not have happened. There would have been chaos, right? Um, so why try to build a business on your own? Why try to lose weight on your own? Why lose try, weight on your own? Right? Why yeah. try to you know understand you know how relationships are going up and down on your own? Why do any of that on your own? I've got a coach for every area of my life. You know my business, my relationships. Uh, you know I just went through a uh, a breakup a few months ago that's been literally destroying my heart. Like like I'm just like so much pain from this breakup where it's just now starting to be like, okay, it's not controlling me anymore or consuming me, but I needed support. I needed the team to support me out of my funk because it's like, you know, I'm not superhuman and I've got feelings and my heart, you know, I go all in with love with people and when it's not working out or our visions aren't aligned, it's really painful and I can't get out of it on my own in the time that I want to get out of it so that I can be effective on interviews and work, you know, with my business. Otherwise, I'd be sitting around, moping around, you know, struggling. So I need tools. I need coaching. I need exercises. I need to stay on track with my vision. And um, why go through life without coaches and mentors? I just think you're setting yourself up for average. Yeah, no, you're right. And who said that someone the other day, they said um, hiring a coach or having a coach is, is like, uh, it's like buying a time machine. 
Mm, that's right? smart. That yeah. you you're you know you're shortening you know you're going back in time to leverage all of their wisdom and experience, right? Yes. And then while simultaneously fast forwarding into the future, in terms of where you want to be in your life and your business, you're getting yes. there faster because of that coach. So exactly. Here's another thing I talk about in the book is something that if you don't if you haven't played sports, you're less likely to pick this up quickly, and that's cultivating a champion's mindset. You know, when I got to compete against some of these great athletes and incredible winners and incredible coaches from many different sports, you know, I competed on a world-class level in three different sports, football, the decathlon, and then I'm still in the USA national team for a sport called team handball. So I've seen athletes from all over the world at many different levels in the craziest pressure situations. And I've seen what it takes to develop a champion's mindset, the difference between those that can win and come out on top time and time again from those that always struggle. And I see that how this relates to regular life, to business for entrepreneurs, is this champion's mindset. And it comes down to a simple thing. We talk about exercise and things like that in the book, but it comes down to a simple thing. Hal, when you watch, do you watch football or basketball or baseball? I watch basketball and UFC. Okay, basketball and UFC. So let's talk about UFC then. When you watch a fighter who's in a, one of the top matches and it's this big anticipation uh, for this match and the fighter wins and, they, and Joe Rogan comes over and says, how did you do it or how do you feel or whatever it is, what do you think's um, a response that one of them might say? Uh, I mean, it feels amazing. Okay. If they said, how did you do it? Uh, I, I worked really, really, really hard, right? I worked. I knew I was working harder in the gym than my opponent was, and that's why I had the confidence that I could beat him. That's great, yes. They usually say one, <laughs> one of two responses. That's very close to what I wanted. I probably didn't set you up well enough. Yeah, probably. Very close to what I wanted. Uh, one is, if they ask you, you know, how did you do it, tell me how you feel, this and that. My coaches. Uh, yes, that's good, too, yes. <laughs> okay, damn it. So, All right. <laughs> All right, I'll leave there's, it over to there's, you. There's two personality types typically that will respond on the extremes. Okay. One is the Muhammad Ali response. I am the greatest. I worked my butt off in the gym harder mm. than anyone else. I knew I would win. Yeah. I knew this chum had nothing on me. I came here. I'm the greatest human being in the world. I'm the greatest UFC fighter ever alive. You've never seen anyone better than me. I'm the greatest. Yeah, right? Robbie. I was sitting third row when Robbie Lawler just beat uh, Rory McDonald in that war, and that was his response. I'm the man. I'm the man. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. And the the other response is the I give all the praise and glory to God. It's the Tim Tebow. Like I, nothing. It's nothing's about me. It's all about God. I put all my faith and glory in God. And I am just a, a symbol of his, you know, vision or whatever. And either way, those two athletes both have something that the others don't have. It's this unwavering belief in something, whether it's themselves as the greatest athlete in the world or God giving them the strength they need to be the greatest in the moment to perform at the highest levels. Whatever it is, they are unwavering in their belief. So how does someone cultivate and build that belief? We talk about that because I think that's powerful in life with relationships. If you're on edge, if you're jealous or uncertain about yourself in relationships or in a marriage or going on dates, it's going to show in your performance. If you are uncertain in conversations with people doing business deals, it's going to show and you're not going to get the results you want. So these all 
cross over into business and life as well. So in the school of greatness, that that's a big component is you're, you're teaching people actionable yes. exercises and strategies to, to, to cultivate that, that championship mindset. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. I want to ask you, there's three questions that came in and maybe more, but I haven't looked uh, in the last 30 minutes. Uh, I put posted in the Miracle Morning community Facebook group and uh, we had a few questions that came in for you. So uh, first question from Greg Takax. He says, who was your first mentor? And I guess you really kind of answered that. So let's go yep. into his second part of his question. He says, if you had to do it all over again, what question would you ask that mentor? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. Um, man. I would say, you know what I would say? I would say, what are my biggest walls that I'm putting in front of you and the world that's, if I were to drop them, would accelerate my success? Because we all have these walls or barriers or blind spots, right, that hold us back, and we may not know what they are. Maybe we do know what they are. And I think, you know, we try to protect ourselves in certain ways for whatever reason, out of fear of looking bad or wanting people to like us or whatever. We don't want people to hurt us. And I think I wasn't mature enough early on to understand that. So even, even, I asked, even if I asked that question, I don't know if I would have been able to emotionally appreciate the answer, but that's what I would want to learn early on is how to move through that quicker. That, that, yeah, that is powerful. And I'll, actually, I'll have to share this with you. So um, <clears throat> there's, I sent out an email when I was 25 years old. Um, I had a realization. I was falling asleep one night. I was 25, and I, you know, I was pretty successful, one of the top salespeople in my company. And, but I just had the, you know, I was like, man, I'm not fulfilling my potential. I'm not even coming close. And I had this realization, kind, kind of like you just said, of the whole, like, uh, you know, you, you, need, you need other people's perspective. There's things that you just can't see about yourself, right? You're too close. Right. And so I, I sent, I like, it was like one of those two in the morning, woke up, turned the light on, inspired. And I sent an email out to 23 people that knew me in different capacities um, from my, my boss, uh, my, you know, our upper management, my colleagues, my friends, my family, my ex-girlfriends, the girl I was dating, like, huh. and, uh, and I said, hey, I really feel like for me to become the best version of myself, I need feedback and I need you to be brutally honest with me and tell me what am I doing that, that's not, you know, that, that, that doesn't come off well or what am I not doing? And I said, mm. I promise you won't hurt my feelings. Right. Please be honest. And Smart. two things. Number one, it hurt the hell out of my feelings. Um, when I got the responses, <laughs> but I mean, really, like I thought that it wouldn't, I'm like, nah, dude. and then I'm like, I would read these things and I'm like, I'm not like that. That's not me. What do you know? Mm -hmm. You know, but the bottom line is, dude, I, once I took a deep breath and I said, even if I don't feel like I'm the person that these people are, you know, or some of the things, these people that love me, I mean, most of them are friends, you know, they're not trying to hurt my feelings. They're going, dude, you asked me for brutal honesty. Here's the thing. You always talk about yourself and you, you know what oh, I mean? Wow. Like they're like, I love you, but that's the, the reality. And so what ended up happening was um, I grew more in a week from reading and rereading mm. and assessing those responses yeah. um, than, than, you know, than in the previous, probably in my entire lifetime up until that point. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I've done that uh, in the past. I did that with a, uh, an ex-girlfriend, with a family member, and then with a friend. I asked them to all email me, um, you know, the 10 things that they didn't like about or, or the ways I showed up that weren't working for them and how yeah. I could improve. And I was like, be as brutally honest as you want. And it is 
hurtful, like you said. Yeah, like it's ex girl my ex girlfriend, you're like, you want to respond and be like, Well, you did this and you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. But you just gotta take it and, and, and receive it as feedback and not and not take it so personally and just say, Okay, look, this is how I'm showing up in their eyes. Whether this is me or not, it's it doesn't matter. It's their perception. So how can I show up in a way that shifts the perception of the world and also serves people in a deeper, more meaningful way? Powerful, powerful. All right, next question is from Conrad Diaz. He said, what's the most interesting thing that you're learning and the most exciting thing that you're doing right now? <sighs> most interesting thing I'm learning is, <laughs> you know, relationships are our greatest teacher. And I learn a lot about how I'm not where I want to be at, at the end of relationships. My, my emotions sometimes get the best of me and I... I realized, man, I've got so much to learn about letting go and not being attached to certain results and loving without and not being resentful still. You know, I thought when I thought I had it all figured out a couple of years ago, it's like, bam, another reminder like, okay, let's see if you can, if you still have it figured out. And uh, I think relationships are our greatest teachers. Um, the, the people we surround ourselves teach us the most about ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's learning how to be a better human and, and serve deeper and, and love more and let go of my ego in each relationship is something I'm working on. What was the second part of the question? Uh, the most exciting thing you're doing right now. The most exciting thing is, is this book launch. I would I've imagine. Been, yeah. I've been, you know, for, I've been visualizing this for eight years and I've been studying for three and a half, four years about books and book marketing and launches and, this is like the thick of it, you know, right when this comes out, I'm in the thick of it and I've been doing a lot of strategy and implementation. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see what works and what doesn't work and who's supporting me and who, you know, I've been putting myself out there adding value for years and now I'm reaching out and asking people for support and it's interesting to see, interesting to see who wants to support and who doesn't, um, you know, who my real friends are, let's say. Uh, and, um, it's it's exciting though. There's so much good happening. Um, I feel blessed, you know. Even if even if I don't reach the numbers I want or the sales I want, the feedback I'm getting and the impact that it's having from people who got pre copies alone is making it worth it for me. And uh, I'm excited for the journey and every day ahead. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, the last question is from Brad Mills, and I don't know if Brad like heard mm. another interview where you talked about the breakup or what, but, but here's what he asked. <laughs> he says, uh, ask Lewis how he deals with depressing events in his life like a girlfriend <laughs> breaking up with him or a respected person blocking him on Snapchat. Uh, that's interesting. Huh. Um, does he talk to a psychologist or get through it in some other way? And then he kind of sums it up by saying, basically, I want to know how he deals with the less great periods of his life oh, man, yeah. to keep pushing forward. You know what's interesting? Who is this? Bill... Uh, Brad Mills. Mills. Brad Mills. I feel like I know Brad for some reason. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like the greatest moment of my adult, let's say, business career in the last eight years is happening right now. And also one of the lowest moments for, in a relationship for me is happening right now as well. So it's interesting. I'm like, there's got to be a reason for this. You know, it's got to be a lesson somewhere in this. Um, I, I work through it by... Um, support from my friends. I reach out to mentors, coaches, you know, for me, it's the relationship I'm reaching out to uh, a couple different relationship coaches I have. And they're very helpful because they, 
you know, our emotions can really control us if we allow them to. And so I think a lot of it is just being at peace with our emotions and not allowing our mind to play tricks on us and play games on us and get away of our ego. So someone I just recently interviewed, Catherine Woodward Thomas, wrote a book called Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Living Happily Even After. And it's all about how to break up in a, in a whole new way. And I, and I had her on. She's a you know, top uh, relationship therapist, uh, psychologist, I guess. And um, she gave me some incredible exercises. And then I went over to her place and did like a little breathing session with her. And I felt such at peace with where I was at. Now, my mind played tricks on me the next day. But I was like, hey, listen, if I can just follow through and do the exercises, work on myself, stay connected to people, um, and, and, and be positive and build in these, these positive habits that I talk about in my book. If I can continue to do them, I will get through it. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't block the energy or block the feelings or the emotions. I think it's important for us to feel everything, the sadness, the pain, the hurt. Uh, I believe it's actually really important and healthy. It's not healthy to stay in it for a long time where it doesn't serve you. And you've got to like, you know, one day you've just got to be like, okay, I'm going to continue to practice and do the work and enough is enough. Like enough pain is enough and move on. So I think you've got to come to an understanding and a peace with it uh, and come from a place of love as much as possible in those moments, even when your ego or emotions want to take over. Yeah, well said. And, and, and everybody listening, remember that, that all – Every negative emotion that you've ever experienced or could ever experience is self-created by your level of resistance to reality, mm. right? It's to the degree that we wish and want things to be different, that are they're out of our control, yeah. and we try to bring them into our control when it's impossible. That level of resistance creates the level of emotional pain that we feel. And like you said, Lewis, it's it's about being at peace with it. It's, and that comes through acceptance, right? It's like, yes. can't change it. So yep. the only intelligent choice I have is to accept it and uh, exactly. it doesn't mean you're happy about it by the way like there's a you know happiness and sadness or emotions where you could be happy and get a phone call and that you now you're angry or whatever exactly but when you accept all things you can't change then we live in peace and it's like this ever-present state of being where we're in control of our emotions and we can choose gratitude or you know whatever excitement or, or whatever exactly. we want. so exactly awesome well um what if somebody wants to get a hold of you uh what what's the best way to do that uh, best way to get a hold of me is, um, you know, or, my get, web. or just get your info, subscribe. Yeah, yeah. To I mean, all yeah, that. yeah. My website, lewishouse.com and you can. There's a contact form there to, to get a hold of me. But I'm everywhere online at Lewis House, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then uh, you know the book as well on uh, wherever you're sending people to. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you, uh, if you're listening, and you know House H O W E S, so Lewis L E W I S House H O W E S. So I spelled that right. Yeah. That's right. All right, cool. Um, all right, uh, Goal Achievers, the book is The School of Greatness, a real-world guide to living bigger, loving deeper, and leaving a legacy. Um, we'll set up a link. If you want to get the book, go to halelrod.com forward slash school of greatness. That's halelrod.com forward slash school of greatness. And uh, there's some bonuses and stuff that will be uh, involved there as well. Lewis, man, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time and uh, authenticity and, and, and sharing. Hal, thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate you.
You got it. And Goal Achievers, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, Go grab the book, The School of Greatness. You will not be disappointed. Tap into your greatness. Go out there and achieve some big, exciting goals as you are meant to do. And I will talk to you next week. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. So now hopefully you are ready to go out there and live your greatness to really uh, take your life to that next level. So we want to know what were your big takeaways from this episode between Hal and Lewis. Simply head on over to halelrod.com slash 094 for episode number 94. Just leave a comment there on the show notes page letting us know what those big takeaways were and what actions you're going to take because of this interview. I also really want to encourage you to go get Lewis's book. Head on over to halelrod.com slash school of greatness and you'll find the book there. If you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by clicking by going to halelrod.com slash iTunes, clicking the little subscribe button, and there you're also able to leave a rating and review. Rating and reviews are by far the best way for you to help show your support of the show because it helps other people find out about about the podcast and decide if this is the one for them. So please head on over and leave those rating and reviews. Lastly, now is your time to shine. Now is your time to get things going to that next level. So go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. If you're looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com, where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.